Well, good morning. It is such a wonderful treat to be here with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Uh, what a wonderful joy to be able to spend this morning with you. And my husband is going to be here uh, in a couple of weeks. And Jarrett and I have been married for 14 years. Uh, we got married when we were 14, so that's why I look so unbelievably young to you this morning. Um, and I brought along a picture. Uh, this is a picture of our family. Uh, this Jarrett and uh, our son Elijah is four and a half and Gigi is the diva of the household. She is two years old and uh, they are our complete joy. And uh, it's so much fun to be here speaking with you on this topic. And it's, it's pretty funny, you know, when the senior pastor goes away and he invites you to come to his church to speak on sex, there's nothing better um, than if he actually asked me to speak on sex and money. Um, so uh, I'm really honored to be able to, uh, to teach with you over, over these next few moments that we're together. And as Darcy was sharing, uh, I actually grew up just a few short miles from here. I grew up in the city of Wheaton, and uh, we spent 11 years on staff uh, at Willow Creek Community Church, just an amazing time, and then spent the last four years down in Atlanta as we were a part of North Point Community Church. And God has been stirring and moving in our hearts, and about six months ago, we actually moved back to Chicago, and we live downtown Chicago in the city, and we are in the process, as she shared, of starting a church, of planting a church, and it's called Soul City Church. And I like to tell people that it has been an experience uh, that I like to call delightful terror. Uh, it has been both delightful to trust God and to uh, have unbelievable moments of dependence on him and stepping into deeper levels of courage. And it has also been straight up terrifying uh, at moments um, to, to not know how things are all going to happen and how they're going to all come together and who God's going to send and how he's going to provide. And uh, so it's just been an unbelievable journey of, of delightful terror. And in fact, even right now, uh, we We've, we've been so blessed. Uh, somebody has donated 22,000 square feet on the corner of Adams and Racine uh, for us to, to hold our services in. And uh, it's just been an unbelievable gift that's been given to our church. And so we're in the process of trying to figure out how we can get some chairs in there. And so we sort of took notes from the uh, state of Illinois, uh, who has sold seats before. Um, and... Um, seems to be one of our specialties here in this state. And, uh, and so we're actually selling the seats uh, in our auditorium. And uh, we've got about 50 more that we need to sell. And uh, it's been so cool, actually, as we've encouraged people to, to purchase seats for, uh, for friends that they hope will one day come or for family members. Um, every seat that we've sold, we've actually given a seat to a local homeless ministry uh, in Chicago. And so as, as people have uh, given seats to Soul City, Soul City has actually given chairs to uh, Breakthrough Urban Ministries. And it's just been an unbelievable journey of trusting God. And uh, so we love to talk about it and share what God's doing. And, and it's such an encouragement to be able to be here with you all this morning. Well, as, as I said, Dale has asked me to talk about sex lies and truth, and specifically the lies that women tend to believe about men. 
And some of you men are hoping that I'm about to give it to these women uh, here this morning. And you're thinking that you get a free pass today. That you can sort of check out, grab your phone, see what games are going on later on today, things like this. And that is not the case at all. In fact, my hope in prayer is that God will stir and will actually speak to every one of us in this room. Whether you are maybe in junior high and you're in your first beginning moments of thinking about the opposite sex or high school, whether you are single, whether you are married in a relationship, whether you male or female, my hope and prayer is that God will speak to all of us about the truth of his son Jesus and the light that he longs to bring when it comes to our relationships with one another. And, you know, I told you about my daughter, who's two years old, and when I think about Gigi, you know, she's two. She only has true thoughts about the men in her world, you know, her daddy, her brother, family members, friends. She only thinks true things. Uh, Her daddy loves her. Her brother, every once in a while, likes to share with her. Uh, You know, the different men in her world, uh, they smile when she walks in the room. She only has true thoughts and feelings when it comes to men right now. And what's amazing is that every one of us women in this room, we all were in that posture at one point. We all had true things that we believed about men. But somewhere over time and somewhere over circumstances and somewhere over experiences that we've had, lies have begun to creep in and the truth has somehow faded. And the interesting thing is, is that any real lie that you either believe maybe about yourself or you believe about the opposite sex or potentially even that you believe about God, it comes from living in the dark. It comes from living in the dark. You see, a lie can't live in the light. When a lie is in the light, it is exposed for what it truly is and it will fade and it will have no power. But when those lies stay in darkness, they begin to take on a life of their own. They have power. They control our emotions. They affect how we relate to one another and how we see ourselves, and most importantly, how we see God. And this isn't a problem that's new on the scene. This isn't just because of our culture. In fact, this is a problem that stems back years and years and years and years ago. This is a problem that stems back to the very first chapters of this book. In fact, I would love for you to grab your Bible. And the text that we're going to look at this morning is taken from Genesis 3. And in the book of Genesis, chapters 1 and chapter 2 are all filled with light. They're filled with hope. They're filled with possibility. They're filled with the creation account of God living in complete oneness with man and with woman. And woman and man living in oneness with one another. And then when you arrive on the scene of Genesis 3, all of that is broken. And darkness enters the picture for the very first time. So let's read Genesis 3, 1 through 13 together. It says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. 
You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will actually be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it, which is the first recorded moment in scripture of a male blaming a woman for his problems. (laughs) And then the Lord God said to the woman, Well, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And this is the first recorded moment that a woman blames a snake and food for her problems. (laughs) And so we have this account in Genesis 3, where darkness first enters into the story of man and woman. And what happens here is that Adam and Eve, essentially what was going on is they looked at themselves, they looked at this oneness, they looked at their relationship, which was whole and complete, full and honest. They were in love. They were equal partners. There was authenticity. There was no shame or blame in their relationships. They were content. There was a sense of confidence in one another and in God. And they looked at the situation and they said, you know what, we're not okay with this. In fact, what we want is we want to be like God. And so they took the original design that God had intended and they took matters into their own hands. And they said, who we are is not okay. We want to become like someone else. And we see in that moment, that choice that Adam and Eve made, that choice to abandon the original design, that there were instant results, weren't there? For the first time in their relationship, Adam and Eve felt shame. They had never experienced shame up until that point. In fact, they gathered up some fig leaves and they sewed them together because they were experiencing this experience of shame, something they had never tasted before. For the first time, they felt like they had to hide from God, their creator, their maker, the one that had created them and fashioned them in his design. And for the first time, they started blaming one another for their problems. You see, the first sin in the garden continues to actually be the same sin that we continue to engage in today. It is the same sin that keeps us from living in light with one another because many of us continue to choose darkness instead of light. In so many ways, people everywhere are relating to the opposite sex in the dark because they are living in the dark. Every one of us, in some way, shape, or form, we've probably had a similar moment as Adam and Eve. We've probably had moments, much like my daughter Gigi, 
who all she knows right now is light, all she knows is truth, all she knows is goodness. But my hunch is somewhere along the lines, for many of us, there was a moment where a lie started to creep in. A lie started to form. It started to take root. And it can happen in all different ways. The enemy knows how to whisper these kinds of lies into our lives. It can happen when we're young. It can happen through a moment of success or even a moment of failure. It can happen in a relationship. It can happen through something that maybe has been said to you. Maybe something hurtful that you believed about yourself. It can happen through watching an unhealthy relationship with your parents. Maybe ways that they related to one another and that affects you how you relate now to the opposite sex. It may have happened through a moment in the mirror. And when you were looking at your image in front of you, you didn't like what you saw. And you started to believe a lie about yourself. It can happen through secret sins that we tend to push down and we try to hide from one another. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens through abuse or through rejection, through loss or abandonment. But the evil one knows how to whisper lies of darkness so that we don't live in the light. And this ultimately is where the lies that women believe about men are formed. This is where it begins. You know, in the garden, three things happened right after Adam and Eve bit into that nice Granny Smith apple. Instantly, they felt shame. Instantly, they hid from God. And instantly, they started blaming one another for their problems. And it's pretty funny that not all that much has changed since the garden has it. Because those are the same temptations that women still face when it comes to the lies that they believe about men. That potentially we feel shame about things in our own life. That we then live in hiding from God. And then we blame men for our problems. It's the same tendencies, it's the same temptations that Eve faced when she was in the garden. And ladies, oftentimes we are walking around in quite a bit of darkness. And it's no surprise that we keep bumping into pain and into troubles in our relational worlds because of these lies that oftentimes are not true that we subject men to, but because of the pain and the darkness and some of the Uh, lies that we believe even in our own lives, that creates lies that we have then begun to believe about men. And if you were to comb the earth and if you were to gather all of the women together and their collective experiences, the different things that they have faced and different things that they have been exposed to throughout time, There are seven consistent lies that women all throughout the planet continue to believe about men. Those lies are this. Many women believe that men are insensitive to women. Many women believe a lie that men are afraid of commitment, specifically even a marriage commitment. Many women believe that all men will probably eventually cheat on a partner. 
Many women believe that men, the only thing that they think about or want in a relationship is sex. Many women believe that men eventually will want a younger woman. Many women believe that men have to have complete control in the relationship. And many women believe that men are not romantic. And so you gather all the women of the world believing these collective lies about men and subjecting these collective lies about men, it's no surprise that we live in relational darkness with one another. It's no surprise that the enemy oftentimes is winning when it comes to our relating to one another. Because these lies are formed in darkness, aren't they? They're formed in darkness because who God created men to be in Genesis 1 and 2 is not these lies. The original design, the original design of who God created his sons to be is not these lies. But when men live in darkness and women live in darkness, these lies tend to surface. And oftentimes women believe these lies about men because of the own lies that they believe about themselves. In fact, women tend to to find themselves in one of these lies, one of these camps of of non-truth. The lie that I'm not okay on my own. That I have to have a man or I have to have a husband or I have to have a man in my life for me to have worth. It's a lie of worth. You were worthy well before a man ever entered your life. There's the lie that many women believe that it's their responsibility to change a man. It's the lie of control. I know a few women that deal with this lie. There's another lie that women tend to believe, and that is the lie that our outer beauty is far more important to a man than our inner beauty. It is the lie of beauty, and and there have been so many, many, many women that have traveled down dysfunctional paths because of believing lies about their physical body. There is the lie that if I feel something, it must be true. And oftentimes, women will give more power to their feelings than to actual truth. There is the lie that if my circumstances were different, then I would be different. And it's the lie that many women believe that they are a victim. And these lies of worth or control or beauty or giving power too much uh, feelings, too much power or, or living as a victim, I understand these lies so well because I see how they can manifest themselves in my own life. I can see how the lies that I believe about myself affect my relationships with men, how they affect my relationship with my husband. I think about 14 years ago when Jarrett and I were standing in the front of a church and when we were all dressed up and we had friends and family standing all around us and and we were about to pledge our love to one another and there was music and celebration and great food and, and there was not anything that was about to come out of the words that Jarrett was about to speak to me where he was about to say, I take you, Jeannie, to be my life coach. That was not what he was signing up for. 
He was not about to say, Jeannie, in sickness and in health, I hope that you will pour out goals for me to reach and so that I can achieve them. He was not hoping that one day I was going to, you know, sort of put forth a list of things that he should regularly get done so that our lives could constantly be in control the way that I wanted them to be in control. He wanted to pledge his love to a wife and nine out of ten days so often what he gets is a life coach. And now some of you women are thinking, my goodness, that poor woman, why did we give her the microphone this morning? And the only reason you're thinking that is because you do it yourself. In fact, I just watched your husbands elbow you. And ladies, we have this tendency. We have this tendency to feel these lies so deeply. Either the lie of worth or the lie of needing to be in control or or not really seeing our beauty for what it is or, or giving our feelings far too much power or living as a victim. And the enemy understands these lies so well. And these lies are actually what feed into the lies that we believe about men. These lies that we believe about ourselves are actually what feed into the lies that we believe about men. And in my own life right now, the Holy Spirit is doing great work in convicting me of the fact that my husband doesn't need a life coach. He's an amazing man. He's an incredible follower of Jesus. And yet what he often receives from me is coaching instead of encouragement. In fact, for me, this area of control, the two places where I tend to go when I want to be in control is I either go to coaching or to sugar. And so for me right now, I'm fasting from both, sugar and coaching. And coaching has actually been harder than sugar. And many of us, we tend to live in darkness instead of letting this get exposed to the light, to confess it, to try to figure out where it comes from, where does it take root in our lives, and how can we expose it to the amazing light of Jesus. Because the incredible thing is, is that what happened in Genesis 3, when darkness first entered the relationship between Adam and Eve, and the darkness that continued to be a part of relationships throughout the centuries, God looked at that situation and he said, the only way that I can remedy this situation is if I send the light of the world to them. And so thank God he sent his son Jesus, who is the light of the world, right? And Jesus is the only way that we can remove darkness from our lives and actually live in light. I love what Ephesians 5, 8 says. It says that you have groped your way through the murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain, so no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. So figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things that they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off of those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. And so my words to you this morning, 
really come from the words of Ephesians. Rip the cover off. Don't live in the darkness anymore, ladies. Let the darkness be exposed into the light where it will have no more power and the power that lives in your life will be the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world and he has come to set us free. He has come to set us free from the lies that we believe. And some of you in this room, you're very young. And there are brand new lies that are just starting to form and to surface. And those lies potentially could be about yourselves. They could be about the opposite sex. Let the light of Jesus speak the truth to you. Some of you are in a relationship And that relationship is rocky at best. And there are all sorts of insecurities that regularly swirl around in that relationship. And you're regularly hearing messages that you need to act a certain way, look a certain way, be a certain way, just to hold on to that relationship. That you need to change who God created you to be just for this person. It's a lie. Expose it to the light for what it really is. There are some of you here And you're married. And much like my story, you stood in front of a church or out on a lawn or uh, in a a hall or in front of a judge, wherever it was. And you stood and you exchanged vows and, and you made promises to one another. And those were promises of love. They were promises of hope. And right now, the best that you can describe your relationship is that you're cordial roommates with one another. And you're not experiencing what God ultimately intended for your marriage. And your marriage oftentimes is shrouded in a lot more darkness than it is in light. There are some of you moms in this room. And maybe intentionally or unintentionally, you've begun to send messages to the next generation of young women about what they should believe about men. And those messages come from your own story. Potentially they even come from your own pain or your own hurt. But the messages that you have sent to this next generation is that men can't be trusted. They can't be depended on. They're not worthy of honor. And maybe even you as a mom, this is a morning for you to say, I am going to live in the light. I am no longer going to send messages of darkness to the next generation. And a while back, um, when my daughter was about six months old, I started realizing uh, just the unbelievable impact that I was going to have on her life. And I remember very clearly one morning, um, she was up in her crib and she was screaming and, you know, I could tell that she was going to be a woman of great power just due to her scream. And um, before I, you know, went in to, to get her, I just sat down and started journaling. And, and my thoughts turned into a letter that I wrote her. And ultimately, I started writing her a letter about the woman that I desire her to be one day. And in the process of writing that letter, I realized that I had the number one role of influence on her life as far as the woman that she was going to become she was going to get most of her signals and most of her cues 
from me. And this is the letter. I, I copied it down in my notes and brought it to her and brought it to you today. This is the letter that I wrote to her. And in many ways, uh, I read this letter as, as a ri- reminder to me as the kind of woman that I want to be, the kind of mother that I want to be. And it's a reminder, hopefully, to you ladies in the room of the kind of woman that you want to be, a woman that lives in the light. And this is what I wrote to her. My dearest Gigi, I cannot believe how much I love you. I am giddy over the fact that God decided to let me be your mommy. I've always wondered what it would be like to have a daughter. And now that you're here in my arms, every expectation has been exceeded. You are radiant to me. Your smile, your laugh, your tears, excitement, your desire to explore are far more exciting than any task that I need to accomplish in my days, which is good because your presence has caused me to become much less productive. It's hard for me to believe that one day you will leap out of my arms and you will be a woman. My prayer is that you will be a woman of exceptional and extravagant love. There will be days, Gigi, when you will be discouraged, and I pray that you will have the strength to not give up. There will be days when you will want to think about yourself and your needs and your hurts more than the needs and hurts of others, and I pray that you will choose the path of selfless love. There will be days when you will think that no one notices you, and you will be tempted to wave your arms and seek out attention and affection, but I pray that you will be humble and confident in who you are. There will be moments when you will discover that you are gifted and talented in a particular way. And I pray that your head won't swell up with pride, but that you will ponder how to use your gifts and talents to bring honor to God. There will be days when you feel like people aren't listening to you, and you'll want to talk louder so that you're heard. And I pray that you will learn to wisely use your voice. There will be days when someone hurts you, And you will want to take down a record of how they have wronged you. I pray that you will be more courageous and that you will choose to forgive. Gigi, I pray that you will be the entire woman that God created you to be. You are needed to be all of that woman that God created you to be in this world. So trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. Your mommy. And I'm pretty uh, positive that when her little six-month-old face looked back up at me, she had no clue as to what I was reading to her. But I knew what I was reading to her. I knew the kind of woman that God had created me to be and the kind of woman that he was calling me to be, not just for her, but for myself, that he wanted me to live in truth. He wanted me to live in the light. That he didn't want me to be mucked up with all of the darkness and the pain and the lies. But that he wanted those lies to be exposed to the light of Jesus. The place where true healing and true freedom can be found. And so the way that I would love to end our time together is I would actually love to invite each of the women in this room to stand with me. And we're going to read together a declaration, a commitment 
of the kinds of women that God has created each of us to be. So I'm going to ask you women to stand. And maybe while we read this, I want to invite the men in this room to pray for the women that are in here, to pray that God will give them this kind of courage to live like this, with this kind of devotion and passion and commitment. And maybe women, uh, there may be some lies as we read this that you need to expose to the light of Jesus. And I encourage you to do that. And as we read, to make this a confession to God as the kind of woman that he has created you to be. So I'm expecting you to read with gusto, okay? No, like, sissy reading here, okay? We're going to read with power and gusto right now, okay? So let's read this together. I am woman. I'm created in the image of the living God. God did not make a mistake by making me a woman. I am intricately designed, crafted, and woven together to be completely woman. I'm committed to living out the distinct calling that God has placed on my life. I'm humbled by the grace and compassion that God gives me through Jesus. I'm compelled to listen to my story and the stories of others. I'm determined to celebrate and not compete with the women God has placed in my life. I'm broken by the ways that I sometimes hurt and wound others. I'm desirous to be generous and kind, to love the overlooked and the forgotten. I'm hungry to be courageous and daring, to speak up even when I'm afraid, and to stay silent when I'm selfishly wanting to be heard. I'm open to hearing the truth about myself and speaking it to others. I'm enraged when it comes to the injustices in our world, and I will fight for true freedom. I'm complex. There is no one else like me, and I choose to embrace my complexities and capacity to continue to grow and change. I am passionate, and I will sing and dance and shout and cry and be as alive as God created me to be. I am devoted to God, to my Savior Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit. I am called to be a light in a dark world for the next generation. Oh, dear God, thank you for making me. I am woman. And God, this is our prayer. I pray this for every woman in this room. I pray that you would give us unbelievable courage to expose the darkness for what it is and for us to live in the light. For my friends in this room that have been hurt or have been wounded and have potentially believed lies about men or believed lies about themselves or potentially even believed lies about you, God, I pray that you would bring those lies into the light and that your son, Jesus, would bring healing and truth. God, I pray for the women of Compass Church. I pray that they would live this kind of life and that the world would know them by their light. We pray for ripple effects to go out from this space. Ripple effects of love and grace and truth. And light. We love you so much, God. We want to be these kinds of women. And we know that that is only possible through your son, Jesus, who is the light of the world, who came to set us free from darkness, 
So may we be reminded today that we no longer need to live in that darkness. We no longer need to stumble around in it, but that you have set us free for a life of light and freedom. We love you so much, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.